The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good morning, good morning. If you are just tuning in, it is our two of Analyze This 93.1 from WTJX, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. And I am Summer Sibley Brown filling in for Neville James. It's been a minute. Um, you have me today and tomorrow. Last time I was here, I could remember the date. It was January 2nd. And this morning we've had already a wonderful conversation um, with Rotary talking about their pets assembly and conference that's coming up in hour two, right? We're going to be talking to the executives of JFL, Wang F. Louis Hospital. We're talking about the Wang Louis Hospital. It's going to host an official ribbon cutting ceremony for JFL North. And that's going to be a new state of the art 54 bed temporary facility on St. Croix. And if I seem distracted, it's because a friendly face just walked in that I am so excited to, to have in the studio. So I will contain myself. But joining me in the studio are JFL CEO, and I want to make sure I say your name correctly. Is it Koch or Cock? Cook. Cook. Even, and that sounded inappropriate, but I was really trying to mention, so it's Cook. So I have Doug Cook and Daryl Smalls, the Executive Director of the Facilities and Capital Development for the Territorial Hospital Redevelopment Team. That is a beautiful and long title. And um, they're here in studio and so I just want to say good morning, gentlemen, Mr. Cook and Mr. Smalls. Take a minute, get settled, listening audience. This is going to be a great conversation because it's anticipated. It's been a long anticipated um, opening. And so we know that you are excited and we are excited to talk about what it looks like when this facility is open and a ribbon cutting is something for us all to celebrate. Gentlemen, welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having us. I'm, and good morning to you, too. So, Mr. Cook, Mr. Smiles, I'm Summer. This is our first time meeting. So, listen, listening audience, you are literally in the midst of our first introduction. So, this is a memorable moment. Can we? Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves, just period? I love to round out the listening audience by learning who they're talking to. So, Mr. Cook, brief introduction. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for, again for having us here this morning. My name is Doug Cook. I'm the Chief Executive Officer for Governor Juan F. Louis Hospital. I've been uh, with the hospital for the last 14 months, uh, originating out of South Dakota prior to that. And uh, what a great honor and privilege to be here leading a great team and be part of leading such an exceptional transition for this community. Thank you. Mr. Smalls. Yes, good morning. Uh, I don't think I'm a, any stranger to the U.S. Virgin Isles, but nonetheless, I'm Daryl Smalls, the Executive Director of the Territorial Hospital Redevelopment Team. Uh, I've been with the hospital since uh, 1992, and um, during the DeYoung administration, I served as the Commissioner of the Department of Public Works for the Territory. And after that, I went back to the hospitals and here now to be in a position to help create and construct brand new facilities across the entire territory. Hmm. 
All right, so I am I'm the temporary host, right? Usually you'd be speaking to the Neville James, and I often have the privilege um, of filling in for him. And you know, Neville is a numbers man and a dates man, and I'm just so like really, I'm always filled with curiosity and like what the practical application of for a citizen who's just listening of the reopening of JFL North. I also want to acknowledge Jay Rollins is in the house, and um, he is a friend and um, like warrior for making sure that services are provided to people across you know in his career it's been a cross service just making sure citizens have access to what they need whether that was homes water you know health so i'm happy he's just listening in and giving me good vibes um but let's jump into next week tuesday because that's exciting i know like i saw you know like the governor did say jfl north will be opening within the first quarter and i'm happy to say it's the first quarter right so that, that's a great sign um, talk to us about next week, Tuesday. What What is that going to look like for you, Mr. Cook? Like, what what can we anticipate? Well, as if you've ever been through opening a new hospital, which I've been several times, it's a, a very hectic time for the last, you know, 30 days leading up to that. There's a great deal of um, transition planning for the teams, et cetera. But the exciting part is looking forward to the open houses, right? So next Tuesday, we are doing an official ribbon cutting Um but the real opportunity for the community is on March 10th, 11th, and 12th, where we have scheduled community open house tours. You know, the St. Croix community has waited years for this temporary facility to be open. And many of them, have, when you drive by it, it doesn't, it looks like you, all you see is really the end of, end of it. And it is going to be a great opportunity for people that want to stop by and have a guided tour through the building to see what it all entails. Because once you walk through the doors, you, it, it is completely transformed from what JFL currently looks like. So, Mr. Smalls, we just talked about there is 30 days of transition planning, right? And I imagine it's as a facilities manager, like the component of the physical building, a lot of that 30-day transition has to do with your role, your teams. What are you looking at to prepare or what have you looked at to prepare, making sure that we're ready, not just for a ribbon cutting, but for like open tours and service? Well, that is a great question. Um, there's been a ton load of activities that have been ongoing more than 30 days. Mm -hmm. Obviously, at the completion of construction, we have to move forward to um, the... Um, uh, what we call commissioning of all the systems, all of the brand new systems that are put into a hospital. Uh, when you look at it, you look at the four walls. There's oxygen, there's water, there's medical air, there's gases, all the medical equipment. Everything has to be tested, certified, training uh, has to be provided to all of the staff, especially if there's new equipment, new systems. Uh, moving into JFL North, we had the opportunity to upgrade and, and receive some of the state-of-the-art state equipment such as our uh, CAT scan, uh, the one and only 128 slice CAT scan in the territory. So there's a lot that goes into making sure that the staff is well-trained, confident, and comfortable in making sure that we're in a position to provide quality, excellent care to the community of St. Croix. I like that. Trained, confident, uncomfortable. Because when I am walking into a facility where I might have to undergo, you know, anything from general service to surgery, I want to know that the staff that I'm walking into is trained, 
confident and comfortable in in that in, in that environment and so like first of all i want to shout out the team who is at the hospital because often you know what we hear on air is all the things that don't work right which is which is important advocacy but there are you know hundreds of humans in that building working hard on things that do work and um they often don't get like kudos for 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 making the things work in the systems that we seek improvement right and so i just want to say shout out to people who are in gfl right now those who are in the old facility and those who making sure the new facility is ready like if your family member if your mom your dad your sister auntie your uncle working at the hospital that's real work and um, so, you know, from the maintenance person to the to the highest person, to the executive chief officer, the CEO, like, thank you all. Um, it's not easy work. My grandmother was a nurse. And um, so I appreciate what it takes to give care to people, not just the human aspect, but also the physical infrastructure, which I kind of want to focus on. We got 54 beds and we're using the word state of the art. And either of you gentlemen can take this. Right. So when you hear state of the art, what is. What am I, give me a visual. What does that mean for me as a just lay person walking in? Sure, I, I'll start with that and Daryl can jump in. When we talk about that, you know, technology is constantly evolving. So when we say state of the art, uh, one day it can be outdated the next day just because the way of the advancements in technology. And I have a clinical background. I started out my career as an x-ray technologist. I'm also a registered nurse. Uh, uh, as well. Um, so, you know, looking at just a couple of aspects around that, so you take radiology. Currently, we have a 64 slice CT scanner, which at JFL Maine, which is a great CT scanner. Um, it is, um, but we are moving forward in the new JFL to a 128 slice CT scanner. So, what does that mean? It means that we can scan the body faster. And when you're able to scan the body faster, you're able to reduce artifact because of breathing and motion, et cetera. So, what that does is give a higher quality image for our physicians to um, diagnose the patient with. And then we move over to the surgery department. Um, we currently have four surgery um, operating rooms at JFL Maine. We're going to have four surgery department or operating rooms at JFL North. But the technology that we um, are putting into JFL North is upgraded. It is the state of the art. It's the latest at that time technology that was available. So it, it, for our physicians, for our surgeons, for example, currently right now they have portable lights that they over that stand over them so that they can see what they're uh, doing surgery on. Um, the new JFL, main, or JFL North has integrated lights into the ceiling. They're, they're completely out of their way. They are also uh, coolant lights so that they don't produce heat. So it makes it a much more comfortable experience for the staff and the physicians that are taking care of the loved one yeah no and that's important because if you know you don't want to be sweating and hot like i mean as simple as it sounds like why are you making sure they're cool because they actually if you're in surgery you actually need to have the capacity to be steady and stable your own like homeostasis is a process people we all going through it you don't want the surgeons homeostasis balanced off because they're overheating because they can't actually stop to drink water while you have somebody cut open you know what i mean like it's just it's like a simple, practical application. And when you say, yeah, they need to be cool. I get it. I, I want you to be cool if ever I need surgery. So that makes sense to me. What then did that look like? I mean, it says 54 beds, right? In, in, and I, I will admit community that I don't follow how much beds the current hospital actually has. So I think that transition, how much beds do we have in the current hospital, will this 54 bed serve as an additive or a transition over? 
I would say it's, it, it tra- it's a transition over. When we look at our daily, one of the things we look at is our daily bed capacity, and we run an inpatient capacity right around the low 40s. You know, that will fluctuate daily up and up and down. But when we look at it across the year and across each month, we average about 40 inpatients. And I think that's an important distinction that uh, we need to make. When we talk about beds, it's not just the when we when we say 54 beds that's inpatient beds we we are not counting all the beds that we have in the emergency room we are not counting all the beds that we have in a fast track or an outpatient area when as a hospital association when we talk about bed count it's really talking about the number of inpatient beds so for for us that looks like about 24 uh, medical surgical beds we have um 10 ICU beds, we have four pediatric beds, mother, baby has about 10 beds, and then our NICU, our NICU, has four beds as well. So I, I, what you just did for me is you clarified um, the inpatient and outpatient services, but also give me an average, like I feel, okay, so if we're averaging 40 and then we're 54, like the percentage of which, there's 14 extra beds, right, that in, in case of, right, above our average, like JFL North has the capacity to serve in the way it should. Um, Senator Maurice James often talks to me about the difference between like our primary care and our regular care and what a hospital's services should be. And in a system where that, those two have been intermixed or conflated because we didn't have all the other ancillary health care services, I think people often use the hospital, often use JFL for all of their care, right? Like the care that they're receiving is coming through, like I had an emergency and I need to be here. And so we may not have the primary care structures, but the purpose of the, of the hospital is really is an inpatient, outpatient service where you're going to receive a specific treatment or emergency treatment or giving birth to your baby, things like that. It's, and so JFL North, in the way you described for me, the inpatient beds gave me that reference like, oh, yeah, and the regular outpatient services and some are also, you know, just widening that lens for the community that there's other ancillary healthcare services that do that day to day provision. Right. So the whole burden shouldn't be on GFL North, but it sounds like it has capacity to serve well. It, it does. It truly does. And I think it's important to remember that this is a temporary facility. Right, and this was designed almost four years ago, slightly after the hurricane. So, and when you build a temporary facility, you don't want to overbuild it. Now, we are looking forward, and we're actually having meetings with staff and physicians on what a new replacement JFL hospital would look like. And when we start talking about that and planning for that, that's when we plan for the next 30 years. Mm. Um, and that's where we take in, you know, growth of of um, the population. We take in a multiple different factors to build a new brand new hospital for the future. And, you know, we also have to keep in mind one of the things that we talk often about is healthcare is evolving. You know, if you go back into the, the 1970s and 1980s, there was many procedures that you were an inpatient for five to 10 days. With the advancement of technology, Procedures are being done and you, you are being discharged within one to two days. Some of these procedures are even being done on an outpatient basis. So again, when you're spending this type of money, you don't want to overbuild as well. So Mr. Smalls, when we talk about temporary facilities, right? Basic question in my head is like, what is the 
and I don't want to pigeonhole you all in a box because I know developing the next iteration for the 30 years, right? That's based on funding. That's based on design. Like, you know, but on average, right, the lifespan of a temporary facility, five to 10 years, five to seven years. This facility as design is designed for seven to 10 years. Uh, we're going to continue to maintain it for the before we talk about state-of-the-art in terms of the facility, uh, JFL uh, was opened in 1981-1982. A lot of your systems, uh, while they have been upgraded through the years, uh, now you have the opportunity for brand new medical air systems, vacuum systems, fire pump, water pump. Uh, all of your systems are brand new, fire alarm system, state-of-the-art, brand new. So that gives, uh, from a facility stand standpoint and maintenance standpoint, a, a better level of comfort uh, that you're, you're not going to see the breakdowns of equipment because they're aged. I want to ask, because I really don't know, what is medical air? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in a hospital, um, you have certain pieces of equipment that require medical air, for instance, uh, and I don't want to get too medical here, uh, an anesthesia machine. Uh, you may see it on TV where it looks like a bladder that's going up and mm -hmm. down. You need medical air. That's like a compressed air that allows that to move up and down. Medical vacuum uh, during any surgical procedures or whatever, that's for, for you know, the, the suction. It does. Yeah, you see yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all of these systems are in JFL are some of the original systems that have been there for a number of years and trying to uh, maintain them and coming from a facility background uh, after 10 years usually you're purchasing new equipment or upgrading uh, the longer that you keep it beyond that your maintenance costs just go almost through the roof so this is going to be a win-win situation for the facility so and I just want to clarify for people listening because sometimes it's like oh my gosh you said it's supposed to be replaced every 10 years he didn't say it didn't work he said the maintenance cost, right? So we're talking about efficiency in cost of function. He didn't say it didn't work because, you know, sometimes people hear things and they're like, oh, my God, he said the lifespan is 10 years and GFL is almost 40 years old. Ah, no. He said the efficiency in terms of how much it costs to maintain is, is exacerbated, right? So I just want us to, uh, to, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> to take that in because, you know, we drive in and you listening and you hear part of it and you're like, what did they just say? I don't want a Facebook post about this where Summer said. I didn't. Um, we're going to take a break and come back with Mr. Cook and Mr. Smalls and talk more about the opening and talk more about JFL North um, and get you all some information. I'm Summer Sibley Brown filling in for Neville James. This is Analyze This. equals new business opportunities at Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix offers deposit banking products, business online platforms, and commercial loans. Their SBA lending department offers financing options and access to capital for businesses. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallus Bay, 340-773-8500, and one in Peters Rest, 340-713-8500. Bank of St. Croix is an equal housing lender. Bankofstcroix.com. 
listening to the wings of a monarch butterfly. What a magical thought. They arrive here on the Day of the Dead, which we celebrate here in Mexico. And a lot of the indigenous people believe that it's the souls of their ancestors that are returning. You know? And it's very spiritual. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. Great question. That is a great question. And that's a great question. Wow, that's another great question. That's uh that's a great question. Oh, that's a great <laughs> that's a great question. That is a great question. What a great question. On fresh air, you'll hear unexpected questions and unexpected answers. Weekdays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. The PBS NewsHour has a rich legacy of in-depth reporting and strong storytelling. Only four people have sat in that chair before us, and the enormity of this moment is not lost on me. People turn to us because they know they can hear from trusted sources of information and news. That won't change a bit, even as the faces behind the desk change. Good evening. I'm Jeff Bennett. And I'm Amna Nawaz. Weekdays at 7 p.m. on WTJX-TV Channel 12. Good morning. This is the second segment in the second hour, and it is me, Summer Sibley Brown, filling in for Neville James. And I, you know, my favorite statement is, and we're back. I can't roll the R's like Neville, but I can definitely say that, and we're back. And we're back with um, CEO Cook and Executive Director Smalls, and we are talking all things JFL North. And in the first segment, we were just like all over the place, like introductions, talking about, you know, what it meant when we consider state of the art and they, you know, just kind of setting the tone that state of the art is actually quite interesting. It's really nuanced because it's based on best available equipment. So we're state of the art. We have what is needed and that is ever changing. Right. So that's that was something I took from the first segment. But it's about training confidence and comfort for the staff so that we as a community can walk in there and know that those 54 beds can handle our care needs. And now I kind of just want to focus a little bit on um, one, details of the ribbon cutting, and two, distinguishing for us that there's also some days coming up that we get to do open houses. So um, again, gentlemen, I don't know who wants to take the lead, but let's talk about which one, the ribbon cutting. Let's start with the ribbon cutting. Sure. Uh, the ribbon cutting, again, very excited for, is scheduled for March 7th. Um, I believe it's scheduled for 1 p.m. That is, as you as you know, if you're driving by the campus, it is a, a tight campus. So there is limited parking. There are, And so when we are looking to host events like this, we have to be uh, strategic on who we invite, when we invite, et cetera. So the ribbon cutting is an invited guest uh, group of people uh, just because of space. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're going to do that on March 7th. I believe it's at 1 p.m. And then we really look forward to on the 10th, 11th, and 12th. So March 10th from 4 to 7. And then March 11th and 12th from 1 to 5 is when we are doing our community open houses and our community tours. And that is where we can invite the general public to come and see what JFL uh, North has. 
So that's that's important, right? So I just want to distinguish. On the seventh, it's the ribbon cutting. It's kind of like the official. We did it. We made it in the fourth quarter. We're gonna be here with the dignitaries. We don't want a logistical nightmare, so we're just gonna come in and out. You know, beam, 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 snip, snip, snip. On. And we we really want. You know, we're, everyone has been waiting for this, and everyone is very anxious for this. So we are we while the. Ribbon cutting, we can't invite everyone to. We will definitely be streaming it live on Facebook. So you can, you, we can participate and share our comments and thoughts by, you know, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I'll get the social media handle so people know where, we'll say it before we leave, where to look if you're interested. Um, and we know healthcare is a big topic. That is on the 7th. But you mentioned community events and i want to make sure i get it right because i want to see which one i can attend on the 10th four to seven and on the 11th and 12th one to five um how do people you know is there registration is it generally open or because again logistically parking it's still going to be tight you know how many people what what is the capacity to serve and how would people you know get invited or register or just show up well, yes, it is open to the community, as, as you stated, and parking being limited. We're working with our uh, our stakeholders across the street with, from us, also working with the Virgin Island Police Department with traffic control and getting folks safely across the street. So that will be uh, those provisions will be there during the uh, open houses. Uh, once we uh, assemble a group of folks, I believe we're, we've set it up where we're going to do groups of uh, 15 to go through uh, the facility. So if we have more than 15, it's just a matter of timing and rotating to make sure that you know, folks get a good opportunity to really see and ask questions and understand what the new JFL North is. So if I came, practical again, about how much time would you do you think it's going to take a group of 15 to actually go through what it is they might see? An hour, 45 minutes? I'm, I'm asking because, you know, when you say one to four, I want people to understand that you may not have to be there exactly at the door at one o'clock. It's not a four-hour tour. It's not Gilligan's Island. You know, it's not a three-hour tour that you're going to get lost on. It could be a good one hour and one hour and 15 minutes of your day. So if you get there at one, you might be leaving at 2.15. If you get there at two, like, this is a rotational process. Right. And it's also lessons learned for us. Uh, just last week when we had the senators there, we, we thought it was going to be about an hour and a half. And I think it ended up almost two and a half, three hours. So, yeah, but, you know, I mean, there's a lot of questions and people just want to, you know, you get in there and you're like, wow. So, you know, you, the excitement is there and people just want to ask questions. I, w- I would echo that there's excitement there. And if, if yeah, if I'm, I'm on the tour, it might take two hours because I have way too many questions. But in general, you know, you're not there for f- three hours, but there is opportunity to really ask and engage and get what you need out of these conversations and learn more. Um, right. And, and especially uh, with an open house, uh, most folk, folks uh, don't get an opportunity to v- go into an operating room or to go into different areas. So oftentimes they, you know, let's let's see what it is. Let's see what it's like, you know, as opposed to what you see on TV all the time. That is so true. As you said that, I just realized I've never been in an operating room. I myself have never been in an operating room. And personally, I would like to see where the CT, the the one twenty eight slice CT is because some of the concerns that I always have because of my weight, right? Like, how would I fit? Is it going to be comfortable? Like, if I ever had to do that, I'm always like, oh my gosh, is this going to be like a super uncomfortable, like, do they have to put me in a cocoon where I won't be able to move and I'll like just be stuck, right? So like, but these are the thoughts. I I mean, I mean, I'd be 100% transparent. So even the opportunity to see what that looks like, not hoping to need it, but knowing if I were to be recommended to get one, 
what's up? Well, yeah. you'll, you'll definitely be excited to to see some of our patient rooms because we did take that into consideration, patients of size and the accommodations. Uh, so it's a it's a transition from the old JFL to the JFL North, and you'll see what we have taken into consideration for our community. So listen, people, we are talking March 10th, 11th, and 12th, right? Get your calendars out. Come out participate attend on the 7th if you want to see the ribbon cutting it will be online um if you need to attend it's open to the community logistically they're coordinating parking and you will be able to come through on the 10th one two no four to seven four to seven and on the 11th and 12th one two five Oh, and the ribbon cutting will be streamed live on the Government House Facebook page. That makes so, so much sense. <laughs> that makes so much sense. So Government House Facebook page is where you'll be able to see the ribbon cutting. Um, what? So let's talk. I'm here. I came in. I'm at the community. I'm one of the 15. I'm walking through. What else? You know, I can ask questions. What else would I have the opportunity to see besides, like, understanding the difference between floor lights and now roof stable lights which create more space for a surgeon yeah so i think one of the exciting things that we're going to be doing on these tours is you're not going to be toured by me right i might be what i, I don't get right. you <laughs> well I, I might be in the background taking people through but we wanted to have the frontline staff the frontline managers showing off their spaces and talking directly to the people related to their space and because they're truly the experts of the radiology department the surgery the mother baby unit the icu we want our frontline leaders to be the ones that are talking through this with the public and showing off their new spaces so it is you're going to be able to it's going to be a guided tour so you won't go into every room but we will show you an example of what a medical surgical inpatient bed looks like we will show you an icu you'll get to tour through the or the CT scanner, you'll get to go into surgery, mother, baby. You'll also get to see some of the infrastructure things that have gone into the building of JFL North. So I have a question, as you mentioned, being taken through by, you know, the, the field experts or leaders who actually lead these different areas for people who are saying, well, JFL ain't properly staffed. How are they going to staff another 54 bed plate? Like, what, what are we doing in terms of like making sure that that question for the community about staffing and is answered? Yeah, uh, you know, staffing of a hospital is a very challenging time right now, not only in St. Croix or in the territory, but nationally there is a healthcare shortage, specifically in nursing, but in many specialties, there is a, a national crisis going on. So we have been very creative with uh, ways of staffing our facilities and our teams have really stepped up. And, and, and at the end here, I'll talk a little bit more about our teams, but you know, the, the number of hours, the number of meetings that we have held throughout this transition period, people are going above and beyond their normal um, work expectations to make this possible for the community. And again, hats off to all of them and everything that they're doing um, to make this possible. So you're saying there's a staffing shortage. Is I'm a nursing student or I'm someone um, I know, I, I want to say the career and technical education school, they also did like certifications or even if I'm like a receptionist, if I'm an unemployed and I was interested in 
becoming part of the team that fills a shortage of support with my skill set? How, how would I currently do that? Yeah, great question. Um, at, at these community open houses, we will have people there to if you are interested in a position in a medical field we will have people on site where you're able to either fill out application uh, on site or take an application with you if you want to talk to one of our hr people or a department leader those opportunities will be available during these open houses so we encourage anybody that's interested in joining our team to come out it's a great preview right to see the new building and talk to staff so those opportunities will be made available. And I wanted to go back to the fact that you referenced that not only will we be able to see these specific rooms, but we will be able to see some of the infrastructure things that are provided. Do you have a gap, Mr. Smalls, also in like service needed, like maintenance, like people, because, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, when we, what we have done is like made this binary in our head when we think hospitals we think nurses are women and maintenance are men and i don't think that's necessarily true of the world however just wanting to pose that there may be positions across a gamut that multiple skill sets right and that's also an excellent question uh long ago yes there were a need for a lot of maintenance staff but again with the equipment that you have now a lot of them are on the on the web so they can provide you alerts. They can give you warnings of when systems are, are going to go into trouble. So the, the number of staff, it, you don't need that great large amount of staff. You just need the qualified trained staff. So, yes, there are opportunities. There are men and women in the field of, uh, of facilities maintenance. So, I mean, I would love to, and not this, I'm going to invite y'all back. When I get to come back, you hear me shouting out. Um, 93.1 invite me back um, but because I think what those technical skills are if we could make them or the technician types of training for facilities management for a hospital like JFL North or the hospital that we are building for the future um, that 30-year facility like what are the, because we need to begin training up we need to begin making sure that we have those trainings and certifications available to our young people who will then prepare themselves to fill these gaps because they have access to the right technical training to meet the state-of-the-art technology that we desperately want and need and are asking but I feel like sometimes there's a gap between we ask for things but we haven't done the prep work to build in the service provider from this community so then we have to import right and then we get upset about the importation but truthfully this is an opportunity um as we you know kind of turn to what the future of healthcare and hospitals are in the virgin islands to think what do we need who do we need what what does that look like do you guys i mean i know i'm going into the future a little bit but do you have any idea of what you might think we need well, again, as I mentioned earlier, healthcare is evolving, all right? And so if you look across nationally where healthcare is going, you're going to less inpatient beds, you're going into more outpatient services. And with the number of uh, health professionals exiting the profession, um, there's a there's a need to replace them. So we can't start early enough. Having raised three daughters, um, you have to start, you have to get them engaged 
early on, even into high school, of what they want their careers to be. So, you know, working through that, and then we, we as a community have to make sure that we provide the right educational opportunities for them to, to get into those specific programs. But as healthcare continues to evolve and more technology, you might need less people, but you, there is, everything is becoming more specialized. You know, I remember back early on in my nursing career, you were kind of trained to do a, everything. If you look at the way healthcare is evolving, many people are being trained specifically for one department. And um, that's hard when you're in a small community hospital such as this, because you, you have to have a bandwidth and you have to be able to take on different roles. And that's what I am so proud of our teams and our nursing teams and our clinical teams, because they're able to do that. They're able to reach across and to uh, take care of more than one type of patient. So I'm going to put you both on the spot, right? We're getting ready to go to break in a minute, but I had to ask this because you said in the beginning, um, CEO Cook, you've been here 14 months. What has stood out for you in your 14-month experience with us as the Virgin Islands and taking on this huge, because it's a huge, it's like a behemoth issue of our healthcare and our hospitals and our system. So you stepped into it, right? One thing that you think is truly unique about this situation that, you said yes to. Yeah. Um, how things are exaggerated here, the, some of the problems, right? There's no problem that GFL or the medical community here has that it does not exist in every other hospital. But when you're in a isol- geographically isolated area, everything becomes exaggerated. because The problem does. T- take supply chain for an example. Mm-hmm. Supply chain is a huge issue across this world and nation. But for this community, it is a much bigger issue because you don't have the resources. You can't you can't drive to the next nearest city to get the supply or the product that you need. You have to wait for the next ship that's going to be coming in. So that's one of the things I've really appreciated being here. How hard people have to work and to pre-plan to to be proactive ahead of these things. Mr. Smalls, you said in your intro, you were there, you left. You came back in your in your tenure, in your long service, not just to the hospital, but to the Virgin Islands. Right. And you're stepping into facilities management. What is one unique asset you see? Well, going forward, I, I, I think we have a tremendous opportunity for the community from a facility maintenance standpoint. As you're talking about, you know, how do we plan for the future? Every one of these systems, we're going to need personnel being involved from the ground, from the construction. When the construction is over, we're going to need staff. If you're there and you're part of the construction process, that's a great opportunity right there. Um, For me, uh, being in a position to see brand new facilities in this territory, again, we we can't talk too much about the past. What has happened has happened. But going forward, building brand new facilities and trying to maintain them and keep them maintained from day one, that is essential to everything that we're about to embark on in this territory. We're going to have uh, my role really and truly is to standardize across the territory, all of the hospitals, mm. same medical systems, air conditionings, elevators, sterilizers, everything. So this is what we're looking forward to. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I will give out the number. So in case you want to text or call and ask these gentlemen a question, I am Summer Sibley Brown filling in for Neville James. And we'll see you in like five.
Have you struggled with finding safe spaces for your children to meet up and learn through play and social interaction? Teen Time at the VI Children's Museum offers fun family learning for children ages 12 to 18 years old. A free program for all participants. For dates and information, 340-643-0366 or teentime at vichildrensmuseum.org. I'm Scott Tong from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. We bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up. Plus, conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So join us for NPR's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1. The PBS NewsHour has a rich legacy of in-depth reporting and strong storytelling. Only four people have sat in that chair before us, and the enormity of this moment is not lost on me. People turn to us because they know they can hear from trusted sources of information and news. That won't change a bit, even as the faces behind the desk change. Good evening. I'm Jeff Bennett. And I'm Amna Nawaz. Weekdays at 7 p.m. on WTJX-TV, Channel 12. You know exactly how you take your morning coffee. Knowing where to get news you can rely on is just as simple. Listen to Morning Edition from NPR News every weekday. From 6 to 8 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. You can also listen on demand via the WTJX app, available for download from the App Store in Google Play. Hello, 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 and welcome back. This is Summer Sibley Brown filling in for Neville James. We are in what I'm going to call the rapid round of all things JFL North, right? And because we've been kind of ground setting and and getting into it, but I think there's just some questions that these gentlemen might have answers to that the community cares about. So we talked about a ribbon cutting. We know it's a private session. You can find it on Government House, Facebook, social media. We talked about the 10th, 11th, and 12th open house days. Um, 10th is 4 to 7th. The 11th and 12th is 1 to 5. Opportunities for employment, workforce development. Um, We talked a little bit about the education that's needed, and now I actually want to go into, like, when is the when when is the when is the date um, that actual service will happen in JFL North? Do you guys have some semblance? Yeah, absolutely. So think about taking probably hundreds of people through the building on the 10th, 11th, and 12th, right? Um, you have to, once that's completed, there's a whole lot of work that needs to happen in a short period of time. We have to terminally clean the building. We have to stock it with supplies. We have to make sure that every piece of equipment is where it needs to be. So that takes a little bit of time. So we are targeting a date of March 25th that we will transition the inpatients over to JFL North. Okay, so we heard it here, March 25th, but we also heard that there's things that have to happen, right? So... Terminally cleaning the building. I mean, we could get back to that, but that was really interesting. March 25th is the transition over. Hopefully, all goes well. That date is executed. For the people listening who said, oh, you know, 
they've been pushing this for years, right? We went from six months to two years to whatever. Like for just the reticent person, what would you say to them as they hear you give a hard date of March 25th? Yeah, absolutely. And when you give a hard date, you want to be able to commit to that, right? And we want our teams to be able to commit to that. So we know that there are, this is still an active, ongoing project, and Daryl can talk a little bit more about some of the, the future projects that are within JFL North. So every day there is activity going on in this building, and there are several scenarios that are still, there's some unknowns. And so what we are going to do is we're going to continue to push for March 25th. But if some of those scenarios don't align and we get up until March 24th and the number one thing for me is patient safety. Right. We have to ensure that we can do this safely. And if we get to that March 24th or those days leading up to it and we feel that we can't do this safely, we will make a decision at that point if we need to move this date back um, by a few days or a few weeks. But that is not our goal. Our intention is to open this building as soon as we possibly can because this community deserves it. March 25th, pending safety. Mr. Smalls, tell me more because he mentioned that there are other plans and there's active things happening. Please share. Right. Uh, with the opening of JFL North, uh, right now we're going to be entering the building through a temporary entrance. Uh, there still has to be an administrative or what we call the critical administrative component of the building. The, the structure is all clinical. There's no administrative functions or there's no true main entrance. That main entrance is being constructed. We just got our building permits yesterday. Construction is going to begin on that. That building will be open by July of this year. Uh, so then we'll transition again from that temporary entrance to the permanent entrance for the temporary facility. We also are getting ready to develop the five acres to the east of or to the rear of JFL North for additional parking, additional structures that will all that are all needed to support JFL North. Once we have all of those pieces in place, then we begin the demolition of JFL. And we're looking at the demolition beginning before the end of this year. Okay. And demolition is slated to be nine to 12 months. As the demolition is being completed, we're already beginning the uh, foundation work for the new JFL. The new JFL is slated to be completed within six years, um, and we're gonna stay tight to that schedule. First of all, I wanna compliment you all on how thorough you were in the beginning of the rapid rounds. High five, you're like, you're like we got it out, because what we heard, one, is March 25th is, is, is the date, and that not only do we want trained, confident, and comfortable, the focus is safe, right? That's one. Second, you just told me that there's multiple phases or things happening here. So from a community lens, I was like, okay, JFL North is open and that's it. And it's actually not it. There are two other things that have to happen. Um, one, to include, you said, a critical... We call it the critical administration, but it's the true entrance way into JFL North. So the true entrance way, critical administration, and then the expansion of a parking lot and some other ancillary facilities that support JFL North. Um, so I love the way you said this. You said we're building the permanent entry, permanent entrance to the temporary facility, right? Which we talked about having a lifespan of seven to 10. Um, and we are concurrently planning for the demolition so in july we will have the opening of the entrance way um but you also will be starting demolition simultaneously planning to put in the foundation gentlemen that's a lot i was like i was having a hard time keeping up i was like say it over to make sure you heard them right because that's 
you know, huge, huge lift. And this is also a six year project. That is correct. I'm just like, I'm, I'm not, I'm often, I'm never speechless. It's, it's, it almost never happens, right? Jay's not on a mic, but it almost never happens. And I'm just like, let's take a moment to acknowledge one. Thank you all for leading in this time because there are humans involved. So that sounds really complex going back to that safety piece. So I'm going to be quiet and let you all gentlemen kind of wrap up. If there's any messages or other things you need to say to the community about this process that you've been through or going through, please. If I can, Douglas, I'm going to allow you to give all the kudos that where it's deserved. Uh, right behind of all of this, when I talked about the new construction, any day we've been working collaboratively with FEMA the Office of Disaster Recovery, and will we soon be receiving our fixed cost offer, which is the dollar amount for us to construct the new hospital. Once that we get that number, it's off to the races for the new JFL. So this, you know, in this conversation, again, we've been talking about past, moving into the present of what has been executed, excited, hopeful, celebratory, and also like the future planning opportunities for, for a long-term, you know, the next iteration of our hospital. Wow. Um, CEO Cook. Yeah. Um, exciting times, right? I mean, and you have to acknowledge the past. There's been, and all the people, there's been so much work done on this project. And again, people probably feel it hasn't moved as fast as they wanted it to completely understand that. But we have to pause, we have to move forward, and we have to recognize the, the, the VI government, the, the, our, our hospital board has been so supportive of everything that this organization is trying to accomplish. Um, our staff, I cannot thank our staff and our leaders enough. We talked a little bit earlier about the number of hours and days that they are putting in to prepare for this. And so I, for everyone that's affiliated with JFL, a heartfelt thank you from myself um, and our entire team on everything that they're doing. Finally, I would like to, you know, say to the community, thank you. You know, there's been patience, um, and I would ask for that continued patience, and I would ask for that continued grace, because there's going to be things that happen when you open a brand new hospital. I, I'm reminded of it in March of, I'm sorry, in September of 2001, I was part of opening a brand new hospital. Two weeks prior to opening a brand new hospital, 9-11 happened. It shut down our complete supply chain. We had no supplies opening a brand new hospital. So you never know what's the unknowns. And those type of things are going to happen. Hopefully, thankfully, we won't have another experience like that. But we have to be prepared and willing to navigate the unknowns. And those are the type of things that our teams are trying to prepare for, but you can't always prepare for everything. So as we move forward into this, uh, I ask the community for continued grace and patience and understanding and, and working together with, with, with our organization. And finally, I would like to say, you know, as we move forward on March 25th, you know, if, if you don't need to use the emergency room, try not to, right? Because Use an urgent care. Use your, your use your physician because there is going to be so much activity um, between these two buildings that um, it's going to take a little bit of time to make those types of transitions and those teams and moving of equipment back and forth. 
So I'm going to open the phone lines. Um, we, we can settle in and we're wrapping up this conversation. But I wanted to give you guys a chance to get those things out. And if you are a listener I mean, you're listening this morning and you have a comment or question, we got about seven minutes for you to kind of like jump in and, 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 you know, rapid fire your questions to us. And the number is 340-718-4555 or 340-718-0761. I will actually te- check my text because sometimes I receive... Um, messages by text from our listening audience. So if you're out there and you have a question or a comment for any of these gentlemen or you just want to big up the hospital staff, um, please feel free to call in. And we're just going to be winding down and just like we we had a rapid hour. And I just want to say thank you, one, for coming and just being so transparent. And it was really, truly informative for me um, as humans, right? Because that is what centers all of the work we do right our humanity i'm gonna just you know like how are you individually feeling as people right because you will you're here as ceo you're here as executive director and that's like work professional lift but there is a human carrying the capacity of what it is just like there's a human who's the patient who walks in and there's a human who's the nurse and there's a human who's the janitor and there's a human who's in the cafeteria making sure you have healthy food and sometimes in our systems right we see our leaders and we put them up like you're this leader right and we forget that you're also this human so i mean we we had a great conversation how are you guys feeling well again a few comments just for myself thankful grateful for our teams and all the efforts but you know we are we're our humans right so there is a level of anxiousness you know have we thought of everything are we able to get everything that needs to be done in these final days leading up to it so um again very proud of our organization and but with a a healthy amount of anxiousness as well and i definitely have to give a shout out to the territorial hospital redevelopment team while we're our conversation and everything today is focused on JFL North. We are responsible for the territory, meaning mm. temporary hospital on St. Croix, permanent hospital on St. Croix, the cancer, Charlotte, Charlotte Kimmelman Cancer Institute, which is under demolition right now on St. Thomas, the brand new Royal Schneider Hospital, the brand new Myra Keating Smith Community Health Center on the island of St. John. So behind me too is a team and I cannot do what I do to the best of my ability without the folks that are behind me. Engineers, procurement, finance, uh, IT professionals. So it's a team, a small team, a growing team because we have a Herculean lift and we're gonna work collaboratively with the various CEOs, obviously CEO Doug Cook, and we're gonna make this a project that every Virgin Islander is gonna be proud of. So I didn't even know there was a territorial hospital rede- redevelopment team. And you just mentioned like five projects. And I was like, whoa, 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 right? Pshh, 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 pshh. There's a lot happening. So I want to shout that out like for Virgin Islands to see, Virgin Islanders to see that while everything isn't where it needs to be, there are things that are happening to get us there. Um, I want to echo that. I hope that our community has healthy anxiety with you, right? Because we know healthcare, centering healthcare and making sure that we have those opportunities have been so important and a part of the dialogue that has felt stuck for a long time. I hope this morning's conversation did some unsticking for our listening audience and that you, you know, you, you know, you have cautious hopefulness that March 25th will yield um, the opportunities and experiences. Hopefully you don't have to use a hospital, but if you do have to use a hospital, there's one that you feel 
confident, comfortable, and safe in, where the staff are also trained, confident, and comfortable, and safe, right? I, I'm, I, I keep highlighting that message because I feel like it's for simple ways for us to understand what should happen when we walk into JFL North, not just for the patient, but for our family members who work in the building. And so I'm going to keep plugging that framing of those four, just four words, four adjectives of what our hospital should provide for us because it makes it simple. And I would be remiss if I did not also point out the Office of Disaster Recovery. That is the key component that's helping all of the projects across the territory and especially the hospitals to making sure that we have the proper funding and the processes in place to be successful. Um, if um, if Neville was here, he would say shout out to the, um, he calls it the disaster czar, Miss um, Octoline Williams. And so in good Neville fashion, I just wanted to shout you out, um, Director Adrian Octoline Williams. He'd call it the disaster czar or something else. But like truly, you know, that's also important for us to see what's happening with our FEMA dollars and where it's translating. And this is a process. You mentioned supply chain. And we were talking because we could talk about that all day long because my focus is agriculture. My focus is local food. My focus is nutritional food. Um, so I was like, oh, I wonder what they're going to be serving in like the cafeteria. Well, like where are they getting their products from? This is a don't turn it into your own conversation, but you should find a way to have one to see if there is institutional purchasing that could be set up for local farms and like what quality of food is available. But interestingly enough, for healthcare workers as well. Like you have a team doing a lot, right? What quality food do they have access to? So supply chain is real. You mentioned that several times. It's real. Um, and it's impacted not just by climate, but, you know, by the war in Ukraine, by other global things that we don't control that often seem invisible to us here, but have a huge impact. So I'm glad you uplifted that. You're welcome. All right, so I'm going to round out any last, last, last words. I just want to say thank you for this opportunity. It's always a, a, a great pleasure for us to be able to provide clear, concise, accurate information to the community to make sure that we're putting our message out as to what is really happening behind the scenes. And if someone needed to get in contact with, you know, is there a place they should send an email, a phone number they should call, or should I just shout out? come to, do you want to jump in, Jay? No, it's the JFL website. Okay, go to JFL website. M reminder, March 10th, 11th, and 12th, right? There is a open house. The 10th, it's from 4 to 7. The 11th and 12th, it's from 1 to 5. JFL North and their team is looking forward to receiving you. Watch the ribbon cutting on social media. This was... Ex CEO Cook, Executive Director Smalls. I'm Summer Sibley Brown, filling in for Neville James. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and have a beautiful and informed day. This was 93.1. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. So I spent the past year trying to figure out what news design for 21st century humans might look like. One of the things that really stuck with me was that we now know that humans actually need hope to get up in the morning. And I don't think as a journalist, I ever thought about it that way. We're always looking for new and better ways to understand the world we live in. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Thank you.
What is the secret to happiness? That's a really good question. And how can we live a more meaningful existence? Here's the secret, I think, of life. I'm Anoush Zamarodi. Each week on NPR's TED Radio Hour, we go on a journey with TED speakers who help us answer some of life's biggest questions. Oh, wow. Yeah, let's get right to it. Join us. Saturdays at 4 p.m. Here on WTJX-FM 93.1.